Now you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go. Let's go to the east coast of North Carolina. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. 1962, we are doing the film Cape, Cape Fear. Fear. I did drive by signs for Cape Fear this summer. I had no idea that it was real until about an hour ago. Yeah, it's a real place. I had no idea. But what a great name. It is a great name. For um, a, um, a um, oh, suspenseful movie. Can I do a nerd alert right now and just say that my first introduction into Cape Fear came via a 1993 Simpsons episode okay. where Sideshow Bob was the Max Cady character. Okay. So watching it, I'm like, oh, wow, yeah, they, yeah that's Cape Fear. <laughs> That's funny. Uh-huh. It was one of the, the best ones, I remember. So. Well, it, that was a while ago, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Okay, particulars. Oh, the particulars. I remembered this week. Cape Fear. It was released April 12th, 1962 in Miami, Florida. I, I don't know why. But oh, that's interesting. That's what Wikipedia said. All of my information today comes from Wikipedia, IMDb, and the Alfred Hitch blog. Okay. It's an hour and six minutes. It was directed by Jay Lee Thompson, who also did Ice Cold and Alex. And the year before this movie came out, 1961, The Guns of Navarone, which is <gasps> on our list because I've never seen it. You know, November should be a veterans list where we wait is the guns of navarone an army movie or a western no 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 no. it's an army movie world oh. war ii yeah i guess we should do that but no yeah. normally our novembers are for holidays oh yeah so maybe we should have maybe the month of may be for memorial day memorial day okay and i hope i hope somebody will remember that yeah and he also did Murder Without a Crime. Also a whole bunch of other movies. Speaking of which, he was a tail gunner and a wireless operator for the RAF in World War II. So, uh, hence the Guns of Navarone. Ah. I guess I'm getting the Guns of Navarone confused with the Treasure of the Sierra Madre. I don't know mm -hmm. why. I think it's just because something, a word ends in an E. Of both hey, of those. And, and no, <laughs> nobody understands that but me. Yep. It, yeah. it was produced by Cy Barlett. He also did The Outsider, Pork Chop Hill, That Lady. Um, he was also in World War II. He was a wing intelligence officer for the B-29 315th bombing Bombing Wing, Bomb Wing in Guam. Mm. The screenplay is by James R. Webb. He won an Oscar for writing How the West Was Won. He also wrote They Call Me Mr. Tibbs. All right. And The Phantom of Rue Morgue and Apache and Veracruz. Um, 
He also wrote on episodes of The Millionaire and episodes of a TV show called, what's the capital of Wyoming? Cheyenne, Cheyenne, where will you be sleeping tonight? Lonely man. Lonely man. Cheyenne. Cheyenne. Okay, I guess we better move on. (laughs) You can't say Cheyenne in this house without going into the full theme song of a show I've never seen before in my life. I only know the song. I don't even know if that extra part that I do is even in the original theme song. I think it's perfect. But it goes with it. He, James R. Webb was also in the invasion of North Africa in 1942, and he was in, an army officer and also in Europe. Got a I lot of I wonder if he met Herr Frenzel. Perhaps. It's based on the book The Executioners, which is a novel that came out in 1957. That's by John D. MacDonald. He wrote crime and suspense novels, like the Travis McGee series. This guy wrote so many books. Like, seriously. A lot of books. Stephen Mm. King said, quote, the great entertainer of our age and a mesmerizing storyteller. So if you want crime and suspense novels, check out the works of John D. McDonald. I'm writing that down. The music is by Bernard Herrmann, not Elmer Bernstein. Bernard Herrmann. I get those two confused. Bernard Herrmann is the one that did Citizen Kane. Taxi Driver, The Man Who Knew Too Much, Psycho, North by Northwest, to name a few. The director of photography is Sam Levitt. He also shot The Defiant Ones, Exodus, Anatomy of a Murder, the 1954 version of A Star is Born, Carmen Jones, The Man with the Golden Arm. He also was the camera operator, one of the camera operators on I Love Lucy. He also Ah. shot Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. It was edited by George Tassimini. He worked on nine. He cut nine Alfred Hitchcock movies from 1954 mm-hmm. to 1964. So that includes Rear Window, Vertigo, North by Northwest, Psycho, and The Birds, just to name a few. Star. You had a Hitchcockian field. Oh, there's more on that. More on that. Starring Gregory Peck as Sam. Was it Bowden? Bowden. 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 Well, we saw old Mr. Peck in To Kill a Mockingbird. He was also in Gentleman's Agreement, Spellbound, Roman Holiday, The Guns of Navarone, How the West Was Won, and The Boys from Brazil, to name a few. Robert Mitchum as Max Cady. He was in the story of G.I. Joe, The Longest Day, Scrooge, to Gung Ho, and Fire Down Below. Did you know he also had a singing career where he had what? two records? No. Yep. I, uh, comment. Mm-hmm. Um, he was like a heartthrob. Yeah, because he he was like in that kind of bad boy. Yeah, my heart was not throbbing. No, no. He well, I don't think it should be in this. No, picture. I understand, but I'm just saying physically. Oh, well, we'll get to that later. Okay. Polly Bergen. Yeah. She was in The Caretakers. She was in The Sopranos. She was Fran Felstein. 
Oh. She was also in Desperate Housewives, Crybaby, Once Upon a Time When We Were Colored. She was also in the Polly Bergen show from 1957 to 1958. A lot of TV in the 50s mm-hmm. and 60s. She was more known as a singer. But I bet she had some blue eyes because even though this movie was in black and white, you could tell that she had light eyes. She was a va-va-va-voom. I was like, oh, wow. You could have kind of probably had anyone in Cape Fear, Polly, but you settled for Mr. Peck, which, granted, I've seen all the the young pictures of Mr. Gregory Peck, and wow. Well, he was Atticus Finch. I mean, I know, but that was when he was older. I'm talking like when he was in his 20s and stuff. He was a legitimate model. Yeah, he was he, he he was a good looking man. We have Lori Martin. She played Nancy Bowden. She good was job. in She had some blue eyes too that you mm-hmm. couldn't see. She was in the FBI story, which I thought was funny because I've seen Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She was also in Wagon Train, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Leave It to Beaver, and she was in the NBC television series. National Velvet from 1960 to 1962. We have yeah, that wasn't long-lived. Well, no, but that's probably some nice money, nice checks. She had Martin Balsam. He was Mark Dutton. <sighs> Man. We've had him a lot. Yeah. Psycho, 12 Angry Men, On the Waterfront, Taking of Pelham, 123, Breakfast at Tiffany's, Murder on the Orient Express, All the President's Men. Jack Crushchin, he was Dave Groton. I can't read my writing, but he was Mister. He was Doctor Dreyfus in the apartment. Unrecognizable. Oh. He was also in McClintock and the Benny Goodman story. He was does that. He was a big time character actor. Yeah, and another World War II veteran, Telly Savalas. Yes, as Charlie Severs. He was in the Birdman of Alcatraz, The Greatest Story Ever Told, Battle of the Bulge, The Dirty Dozens, Her Majesty's On Her Majesty's Secret Service, and Kojak. So there are the particulars. Well done, well done. Well, it is black and white, and we start out with a shot of a town square. And a man walking in the town square, and he had on a summer jacket. First, I wrote summer suit because I could only see him from the back, and it looked like he had a leisure suit on. I bet you don't know what that was. I don't know what I've heard it a lot. Mm-hmm. Well, it was kind of it was polyester. I got one from my dad my first year I was teaching, and I could buy Christmas presents with my own money, and. Um, he wore it a couple times. I don't think he ever wanted to. But the jacket was more like, not like a suit jacket, but like a jacket jacket. Oh. Yeah. Um, and a Panama hat. And he's walking to the courthouse. And he's smoking a cigar. And he there's a lady coming down the steps with a big pile of books. He knocks into her on purpose, knocks books out of her hand. It doesn't help. So right away, you know, he is... A, what a dick. Jerk. What a dick. Exactly. There is a person of color. Yes. Who is cleaning the floors of the courthouse. A custodial engineer. And he and uh, 
Dick asks, uh, where, Sam, where would Sam Bowden hang out? He calls him and, Daddy. And dude puts his cigar out in his own hand. Just to say, yeah, that's how bad I am. Yeah. Yuck. Well, he goes into a courtroom. Gregory Peck is a addressing the jury and he just sits there with this look of hate on his face just sneering and that this trial is going to resume on monday morning well gregory peck hasn't made eye contact with him yet no i thought that they said that they, the trial wasn't going to resume until the fall session oh i heard monday oh so i don't know um so Gregory Peck goes out, he gets in his car. Of course, at this point, there was no air conditioning, so the windows are down. Oh, well, yeah. I remember now about because they said that they were going to put it over to the fall session, but that's what Gregory Peck says. Wait a second. I One of my witnesses here is an old man. I don't know if he's going to live to the fall, so can we just resume this on Monday? And he was like, yeah. There we go. And I was like, well, wait, what? they were just going to – what happened to this guy's um, speedy trial? And what about the jury? Are they sequestered? That's what I was saying. I was like, geez, Louise. Yeah, okay. Well, so he gets in his car and he turns on his ignition. And just then, Robert Mitchum reads, reaches in and takes the keys out of his ignition. Yada. And he says, uh, you remember me? It's been eight years, four months, and 13 days. This is indeed Max Cady, and um, Max Cady says to Gregory Peck, who is actually Sam Bowden, uh, you didn't change a bit. And um, Gregory Peck goes, you're not still blaming me for what you did. And at this point, a woman walks by, and he is quite vile <laughs> with her. Look at that wiggle. Oh, no, he's more creepy. Look at that wiggle. So then he says to Sam Bowden, Gregory Peck, you got a wife and you got a daughter. Gonna be just like your wife. So right away, Gregory Peck knows, Sam Bowden knows that he's already seen his wife and daughter and that's pretty freaky and we'll find out why in a minute <clears throat> i don't think we even need to find out why at this point for me i'm already in like this guy rammed into a lady knocked down the books didn't even try to help her and he was in the court so you know like you know you should be on your best behavior when you're in the court he put out a cigar put out a cigar in the palm of his, his hand it, and a cigar has a whole lot more um, takes up a whole lot more space than a cigarette. So, okay. <clears throat> so, yeah, he's just a callous motherfucker. Yes. Well, um, Sam Bowden goes home and the bowling ball bags are on the porch waiting. Because his daughter Nancy, his wife, and he are going bowling and a, and a friend is coming along. So they're in the bowling alley. And Max shows up. And that daughter had on short shorts that were too short I, and too tight. Thank you. I 
that was, was re- freaking ridiculous. I'm not victim blaming, and she can wear whatever she wants. That doesn't mean that she should be assaulted. However, they did put that actress in tight, short shorts, like super short shorts. Yeah, and that was before spandex. Yeah. So I was just, I was a little bit like, um, every, why is, where's the outrage over this? I, I could see why Polly Bergen, the wife, wasn't outraged because she wore dresses that were a little exposing. Well, yeah. It was 62. But, but yeah, that's what I'm saying. It was like 62. And then you have like, because I remember that it being an uproar in the 80s when like, and before that, the Daisy Dukes and stuff. She was wearing Daisy Dukes. Only they weren't cut off jeans. They, they, they were, were like cotton. Yeah. Ouch. <sighs> okay. Well, a waitress comes by. And uh, puts something down in front of Max Katie, and she uses her left hand, and he sees a wedding ring, and he goes, that ring mean anything? And she says, you bet it does. It means plenty. Um, and, and he puts a $20 bill toward her hand and says, um, does that mean anything? You're, like, you're giving he, him a lot more credit of his, like... How he's coming on to this married woman well, and he was quite creepy soliciting her. Uh, yeah, for twenty bucks. Yeah, but and she, the, like, just her voice makes him sound way more endearing. Than he oh, I'm is. sorry, because it was it was a. You don't do a good creepy voice. I don't do a good creepy nope. voice because I'm just so not You're creepy. You're just not creepy. <laughs> <laughs> well, it scares her and she runs away. At this point, Sam sees him sitting there, and he misses a spare he would usually pick up. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, I had to burp. No. So, Max taps Sam on the shoulder. Don't mind me. I'm just getting a gander at your family. Don't mind me. I'm just getting a gander at your family. That's way better. So, Sam calls the police. And uh, starting a war of words with me. Uh, Because Sam knows he hasn't done anything wrong, but he's going, this guy is creepy. Creepy. (laughs) (laughs) So at this point, we find out what happened. So Sam was in Baltimore. Well, we don't really find out what happened because censorship. So it's implied what happened. Right. Because I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Oh! Yeah. Okay. Well, it's Baltimore, so need we say more? First of all, he said he was in Baltimore, and I was like, how many bodies did he catch? Because <laughs> ba- and- everybody knows Baltimore is be more careful. So... Sam is walking back from a restaurant. I'm sure it wasn't a bar. And he sees a girl being attacked. And she screamed. And then we hear the girl was put in the hospital. So the truth is he was raping her and beating her as he was raping her. Mm -hmm. But they can't say the R word in this movie. So it's just ellipses. 
attacked. Dot, dot, dot. Dot, dot. Another ellipsis. Dot, dot, dot. You might be familiar with ellipsis from the transcripts of the... Okay, so she was in the hospital for a a whole month because of of what he did to her. beating that he put down when he raped her. So he was the witness for this trial, and he's the reason that dude was in jail for eight years, four months, and 30 however many days. Yeah, because he was like, yeah, that's the motherfucker that raped that woman and beat her senseless into a coma. Exactly. And so, wait. He got eight years. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, North Carolina. Or no, thanks, Baltimore. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was Maryland. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, um, Sam is saying, I don't like the way he's looking at my family. So, Dutton, the police chief, is saying, oh, I know what we can do. We'll check because if he's on parole and he didn't register, we can put him right back. Well, he did. Excuse me, but Max Cady has had eight years of just pure plotting to get revenge upon this man. So you think that he didn't register with his P.O. that he was moving? Come on, man. He's had eight years to plan this. Yeah. And he's not dumb. He's just a dick. Oh, I mean, at this point now, he's a rapist. So, yeah. A rapist son of a bitch dick. He's a rapist motherfucker. Uh, but his adro- address is in the dock area. So, so he doesn't have a lot of money. So maybe we can get him on vagrancy. Okay. Oh, I forgot to look up what vagrancy is. Hmm. Go ahead. Um, Oh, go ahead. So, um, so the police chief says, "Get home to your family." Because the whole time I'm thinking, "Why are you here, not with your family? You need to be with your family every moment." So, Max- oh, vagrancy is the state of living as a vagrant. It's homelessness, right? Right. But it, he had a room down by the docks, so that's not vagrancy. Hmm. But maybe they thought he'd run out of money, and then he'd be a vagrant. Okay, Max Katie goes into a bar down by the docks, and this woman, who do we know who she was? Because I've seen her in other stuff. I, I, well, continue. Um, she's, she's talking to a guy at the bar, but she keeps cutting eyes at him because as aforementioned, he was supposed to be like, um, hot. And so women look at him. Got it, and it, this is later confirmed later by this woman, is that he is attractive to a certain, uh, a certain bingo like lady. You know a, what I mean? A certain class of people. Uh, uh, yeah. Class probably isn't the right word. It it is a certain but affiliation of people. Yeah, certain, um, you know, like like attracts like, so there's a certain seediness to him, and maybe if you have low self-esteem, um, you might be attracted to his animalistic side. Animal magnetism? Uh, 
Okay, yeah. so I'm just saying, uh, thank you. That was a nice compliment you just gave me. Oh, because I'm, 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 it's going to be a controversial later. Okay. Well, the police come in and. Barry Chase. That's who it is. What's her name? Barry Chase. Barry? Mm hmm. B A R R I E. Oh, adorable. Mm hmm. Okay, well, she was in a lot of. She was in a mad, 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 mad world. Okay. Oh, I bet she was the uh, bikini dancer. Mm -hmm. With Sylvester. uh, With Sylvester. Yeah. So the police say to him, him, I'm going to give you one hour to get rid of your friends. Oh, no, 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 wrong. Rewind. He goes over to the woman who is very attractive. Barry Chase, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, but she looks like she's had several drinks. Yeah. And um, he goes, I'm going to give you an hour to get rid of your friends. And she says, are you trying to pick me up? And he says, yes. Well, they uh, the police take him down to the station. And he says, if you, if you want to see if I am... Uh, intoxicated I have the legal right to be examined by my own doctor you see while I was in jail for eight years I did a uh, I did a lot of legal investigation of my own to see what my rights are he did his homework and the laws in 1960s North Carolina are very different than they are today some good ways some bad ways yes this was when was loving? Sixty what? Eight? Unbelievable, Ma. You should know this. Should be tattooed on your heart. Nineteen sixty seven. I should get that tattoo. Loving versus Virginia, nineteen sixty seven. I'm just gonna get the nineteen sixty seven. Oh wait, is uh, it nineteen sixty? Yeah, it is nineteen sixty seven. You better be sure. Okay, so down at the police station, Sam comes in and they tell they tell Max, strip down to your shorts. And Max is being a real smart ass. And um he goes, Oh, you wanna you wanna charge me with vagrancy? Because I only got seven dollars in my wallet. Well, here's my bank book, because you used to have a little book that you wrote down your um your bank balance in? Yeah, it's called a checkbook. And he says, take a look at that, because I got $5,400 in the bank. Mm. So I'm not a vagrant. And they're going, okay, where'd you get it? Well, it turns out he sold the farm. <laughs> he didn't buy the farm. He sold <laughs> he the sold farm. He sold the farm. And he tells Sam, I'm going to be old. You're going to be old and gray. Sam was already gray. Before I leave this town. So Sam pulls up Clint Eastwood and says, stay off my property day or night. But then it's pointed out by Balsam, that dude, he says, and because I have the quote written down here somewhere, because I was like, what? You can't shoot a man for simple trespass. Not anymore, at least. And I was like, excuse me? <laughs> yeah. Well, 
You can't shoot a white man for trespass. Yeah, I guess so. Because mm-hmm. I was like, well, I I guess there was a an idyllic period of Americana when, yeah, you couldn't just shoot somebody. But then I guess all those standard ground laws took effect after 1962. I don't know. Well, the next day... Uh, Caddy is telling everybody he sold the family farm. So they released him a couple of, Oh, he sold the family farm a couple of years ago. Okay, so now we're at the um, Bro, Bra, Bra, Brody? Huh? Brady? Brady? Bro, Bowden? Bowden oh, property. Wow. <laughs> I got there. And. The dog is barking continuously. And so right away, you know something bad. And the dog's name is Marilyn. Don't get attached. And then the dog (laughs) stops barking and starts whimpering. Mm, And then it goes silent. So they rush the dog to the vet. And... The dog was poisoned with strychnine. Yeah. And Nancy was meant to see it. So we all know who did it. Yeah. Great. The vet said, now this guy's a like, rapist and a dog murderer? And a dog killer. I think there's a lot of people who are more offended by the killing of the dog than the raping of the women. That's true. Well, and then, so Nancy's crying in her bedroom, and Polly Bergen goes in and says, don't let your daddy see you like this. <laughs> what? That to me made me laugh out loud. Oh, don't, I'm sorry, don't let my father see me crying over my dog that just died? <laughs> well, at which point, daddy goes in and says, I need to speak to both of you. And so he warns them about Max. This is the first time he tells them. He was going to handle it himself, but it's obvious Max is escalating. So he needs to say, he's the one who poisoned Marilyn. So Nancy, you may not ever be anywhere except school or your mother's car or home. Yep, that's it. Um, he's just trying to scare us. Everything's going to be okay. Um, and so Polly Bergen goes, well, let's go away somewhere. And he goes, you know what? He's got the money to follow us wherever we go. So he's got $5,000. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but we're not going to let him frighten us. We're not going to play his game. <laughs> okay. She wakes up that night. Sam isn't in the bed. So she goes to Nancy's room. Nancy isn't in her bed. So she goes down the dark stairs all alone. Very quietly. Is someone having flashbacks? You see. (laughs) Her hand on the banister. She doesn't have any loppers in her (laughs) hands. And uh, it was very suspenseful. That walk down the steps was very suspenseful. And um, Nancy comes out of the kitchen. She was just getting a snack. 
and um, Dad is talking to the police out out on the porch. Didn't and you want? Didn't you want the mom? Because this is 1962 to be like, honey, if you keep eating those snacks, you're not going to be able to fit into those cotton shorts. <laughs> those, short, those shorts are not going <laughs> to zip up tomorrow. Like I'm like, where's the shaming in this? Do we need to talk about bloating? Okay, next day is court. And, um, of course, uh, Gregory Peck is addressing the witnesses and such because that's what he does best. And just then, somebody hands him a note and says, Chief Dutton wants to see you right now. Doesn't Chief Dutton know that I am in court? In the middle of a trial? And he actually says, uh, Judge, can I step out for a minute? My uh, my co-counsel will take this. And so it seems that Caddy turned up with Dave Grafton, who is his lawyer. And Caddy wants to put an end to the persecution that is happening on his behalf. And he, there is an established pattern against him. His room was searched. His car was searched. He's accused of poisoning a dog. He's been picked up several times by the police. My client has been thoroughly rousted. Um, and so he's going, yeah, see, my rights are being violated because the chief of police said, we'll get him out of town because we'll just make life unbearable for him here. And he knows he has rights. And so he's throwing that back at them. He's like, excuse me, I am a white man. <laughs> you cannot just go about thinking that you can do this to me. And then he says, I know your house is being watched day and night. And um, Gregory Peck goes, I want to call him Robert Peck. Gregory Peck goes, who gave you that info? And he goes, I'll see you around, counselor. <laughs> He's still not as creepy as... I'll see you. Oh, no. Okay, around. so the, uh, the police chief says, I can't arrest someone for what might happen. I suggest you hire a PI, dig up something that we can get him on. So the woman from the bar is now in the car with Max. And she goes, you're an animal. That's not Um, all she says. She goes, what I like about you is you're rock bottom. Oh, my gosh. So when I'm with you, I can't sink any lower. Oh, my. I'm like, okay. This is going to sound like victim blaming, and I am not victim blaming. Because what happens to her is not, it should not happen to her. However, much like, it's more, it's like locking your doors and windows and stuff. This is more of a precaution. No one should ever say to another person, the thing I like about you is that you're my rock bottom and I can't sink any lower. No. You just you just shouldn't you can think that, but that should be held that should be kept to yourself. The other person shouldn't know like, oh, I'm as low as you can go. All right. 
Now, let me prove it to yeah, you. Yeah, let me prove how how oh so right you are. Man, I I had to hit I had to hit pause and just be like, did she just say? I know because that he once was you her heard, rock bottom. When you verbalize it, that means you're aware. Yes. When you don't verbalize it, you can pretend like you weren't aware. But, but she and she knew she knew when the guy walked in that he was bad news. He was nothing but he bad. He was nothing but bad nothing news. Nothing but that, bad. And then she's sitting there and she's like, dang, I like about you. I can't get, this is as low as I can go. You're my rock bottom. Who would say that to anyone? Oh, my gosh. Ooh. Well, they, they get, they're in her room and she tries to run and he grabs her. And the next time you see her, she's bruised she can't even look at anybody and she's been attacked she's been attacked ellipsis yeah um the police arrive he was her rock bottom yeah well you hope (sighs) so the police arrive the uh, the back door is open she is beat up um and the the police is telly sabalas Kojak, he just doesn't have a bald head or his, what are those lollipops called? I don't know. He had lollipops? He used, yes, Telly Savalas always had the Was it the a Tootsie kind, Roll Pop? Tootsie Pop. Oh, he tootsie did? Roll. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. And she is not going to say a thing against him because they're going, we got him. She testifies against him. We can lock him up. And she's going, they're um, uh, he's going, I can help you. I can get you a doctor. She picks up the phone and dials and, and asks for a taxi. But she's getting a taxi to the bus station and she's getting out of town. And she has her, she's getting dressed because the clothes she had on are all ripped off of her. And, um, she won't sign a complaint and she says, you can't help me. Uh, because he said, consider this only a sample of what I will do to you Yeesh. if you say anything about me. Yeesh. So you can't help me. Um, so it's going to be another 60 years before you all even begin to comprehend how to even go about prosecuting these things and, tr- and knowing how to treat victims. So excuse me for getting on a bus and leaving here. And she says, you think I could repeat to another living soul what that man did to me? And this is a woman who you assume has been around the block a few times. And so... Well, she can be have been around a block a few times. Doesn't mean that she's been attacked. I know. I'm just saying... she she can't even speak of what he did to her. Okay. Actually, she can't even speak of it because she's like, the censors will not even allow well, me that's to, true. That's to true. even imply. We can't even play charades to do I it. can't even use the R word. So he come, uh, Sam comes up to her apartment thinking that he can, you know, I mean, he's Gregory Excuse Peck. me. I'm he's Gregory Atticus Peck. Finch. He can talk her into talking and she's walking out with her suitcase and she's she leaves and she says 
I'm sorry. Really, I'm sorry. Um, and then Gregory Peck says, what do you suggest? And Telly Savala says, get back in touch with Alex Jepson. Because uh, dude had some rough friends. They'll take care of him. He's an animal. Fight him like an animal. Oh. So, so yeah, he's going, look, you got to treat this dude like he's the animal he is. You've got to fight gotta, fire with fire. Yeah, exactly. Animal with animal. Well. Oh, so now the family is at the docks. They have a boat because, again, the Cape Fear is on the East Coast. It's on the so, mighty Mississippi, is it not? Or no, I guess not. I'm going to say no. Probably but not. There's probably a river that gets eventually to, to the Mississippi. Uh, they all do. Mm -hmm. And um, so Polly Bergen is saying, oh, we, we have this day planned out on the boat, but I forgot the paper plate. So I have to go to the store. And I'm going, do you people not think ahead? There is a rapist who wants to rape your daughter because well, of those short shorts. Excuse me, Ma. In Polly's defense, they were cleaning and painting the boat. And Polly conveniently forgot <laughs> to pack the paper plates. So that meant she had to stop cleaning and painting the boat and go get the plates. So true. She kind of manipulated the situation on her own benefit. I get that. She doesn't. She doesn't that. really strike me as a real paint, a boat painter. Nor am I. But I would realize that this dude wants to rape my thirteen well, and Is she you thirteen-year-old daughter. <laughs> yes, you and your thirteen-year-old daughter. Yeah, she seemed more twelve to me. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, so I lost my place just a minute. Um, well, Max is watching from above. And so Sam sees him and he goes after him and says, don't push your luck with me. Because truly, if Gregory Peck and Robert Mitchum got in a fight, I do believe Robert Mitchum would beat the shit out of him. Which point Max says to Sam, the father of Nancy, yeah, she's getting to be almost as juicy as your wife. Oh, it's so uncomfortable. Oh, oh. At which point Sam punches him three times in a very badly acted fight scene. I gotta say, um... Gregory Peck has a very interesting punching motion. <laughs> I would, I would phrase, I would uh, categorize it as scholarly. It's very interesting. Not, yeah. sh not sure how effective that would be in the real world. It may work because we we would be just about to laugh and it catches you off guard. Like, wow, what was? Oh, hey, lights mm. out, maybe. Yeah. Very well, interesting. Nancy sees uh, Max for the first time and she goes, oh, that's who killed Marilyn. Um, Nancy doesn't quite get the full picture yet. Okay. But she is scared. Okay. Now it's high school dismissal. 
and all the girls come out with their with their little skirts on and their teeny bopper short white socks and their loafers and she goes right to the car because she was told that's what she should do mom is not in the car <laughs> you have a wow you're placing a lot of blame on polly i i get what you're saying now that did not occur to me of like mom, yeah there's a guy who was threatened to rape your car. daughter and you're just i need to go in the town i'm not gonna be in the car so she gets in the car, she turns the radio on, and um, I wrote no pants because none of the girls were allowed to wear pants at that point. Um, well, Max is walking in the town square, and she sees him approaching her sitting in this car. So instead of, like, rolling the windows <laughs> up and locking the doors. I was like, why wouldn't you roll up the windows and lock the doors and just sit there? She runs back to the school, which I thought was a great idea. But because it's a private school, the doors are locked. How do you know it's a private school? Oh, she didn't go to a public school. Oh. And um, so she she runs around the school. until They lock those doors fast. She, she All finds the a children back door got out of the school? <laughs> they just lock it? I know. <laughs> it's yeah. Dismissal it is at 315, 320. It's locked down. I like that, actually. <laughs> um, she finds a door that's unlocked, and she runs, and she's behind the furnace, and you hear the footsteps. It was very Hitchcockian, mm -hmm. the footsteps. He follows her in there, and she runs into a locker room, and... Uh, then she finds an open window. She goes out the window, runs right into him, screams, runs across the street, gets hit by a car. Yeah. Oh, I guess I'm, I'll get to that later. So mom is, you know, carrying her little purchases, walking to the car. She sees the car door open. Without a care in the world. Without a care in the world. And... Then she sees a bunch of people heading to the crosswalk. And, and so she gets up and she finds her daughter hit in the road. But okay. <laughs> well, we see Sam running up the steps of their house. Uh, she is only bruised. The doctor's given her a sedative. And I said at that point, time for a gun. <laughs> at which point Sam goes into his office, opens his desk drawer, and gets out aforementioned gun. gun. And Polly says, are you out of your mind? It'll be murder. That's what he wants. So Sam just drives away. She calls the police and goes, uh, yeah, my husband just left with a gun. It's going to be bad news. Well, he comes back in. He hangs up the phone. It has been an hour. Oh, well, because, okay, he hangs up the phone and then he has a, he has to have a chat with his wife to further explain the direness of the situation about what ellipsis attacked really means. Because <laughs> he's like, Polly, look, this guy wants to attack our daughter. You want the legal system to take care of that. Look, I'm a lawyer. I understand. But you don't, you've never heard what that means for the victim. They have to get up there and they have to testify. And our daughter's a child and she's going to have to say 
out loud every single thing that that guy did to her. Do you understand now the direness the, of our situation? The woman from the bar who's been around the block a few times can't mention the things that he did to her. Yeah, it's like our daughter will never be the same again. And yeah. you just, like, this is what we're up against. <laughs> and, then, and then Polly's like, all right, why don't, I'm going to the gun store. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> we're going to maybe I'll guns. start putting uh, a sweater on over my <laughs> exposed shoulders that I am showing everyone. Yeah. Just... Okay. Well, that's when we stop telling you the plot. And so um, it thickens as it were uh, as it were so our poc count i i just had the one custodial engineer just one just our main okay. man that was okay. it so nerd alerts all right nerd alerts i think this movie was a financial failure when it came out because Gregory Peck, he co-produced it, and his company, Melville Productions, went out of business after this. Yeah, I'm surprised, because he was a big draw. Yeah, but... Uh, Robert Mitchum was a big box office draw. But this wasn't a... Like, 1962, people yeah. weren't, like, super into movies where guys are in a rape teenage girls. That's true. That's true. Um, it was storyboarded by Alfred Hitchcock, who apparently ah. quit over a dispute. I tried to look up more about that, and I didn't ever see anything. Because it was very Hitchcockian. Well, the editor, the music composer, two art directors, the leading actor, and the supporting actor all had ties with Hitchcock. All righty, then. The, so the, and also the director, the um, J. Lee Thompson... He worked with Alfred Hitchcock a bunch on his earlier movies, like doing dialogue and stuff. And he, when he saw it, he was like, I totally want to do That's why he shot it in black and white, because black and white was going out of style. The camera movements, the economy of shots, the tightness of the editing, also the score, all very Hitchcock. I actually paid attention to the score a little bit this time, because in the very beginning... It was sort of like suspenseful. And then it went to uh, Gregory Peck at home and it was like really light music. Like, oh, everybody's happy. Mm -hmm. Only because you've taught me. It had a similar theme of menace coming into an idyllic family setting. And then also a another familiar theme with Hitchcock films, the emasculated male left to feel helplessness. Yes. But then in many of Hitchcock's films, it's the female that ends up coming to the rescue, like rear yeah. window and stuff. But that's not the case here. This movie is, is very sexist and it just remains sexist. Yeah. Um, also, True. the use of black and white, the light and the shadow play. Uh, yes. Thompson also used the cage motif. So when he was shooting Robert Mitchum's character, Max Cady, it was often through bars, fences, tall grass. So it would show that he was caged like an animal and also the oh. criminal qualities and the subtle hints at violence. 
Very well done. Like, yeah, the animal that he was. That's not, I didn't make that. I, the Alfred Hitch blog post, like, pointed that but, out. But, yeah, because mm-hmm. I, I didn't notice that, but it makes sense. And Cape Fear was far more sexual than other Hitchcock films. And, like we already mentioned, they couldn't say rape, but it was implied. Um, there were few instances of real depictions. Oh, so like a lot of Hitchcock and stuff, they he left the you didn't really see the brutality. It was just implied because then mm-hmm. it makes it worse in your mind and stuff. Um, yeah, well, there was another Hitchcock movie we did that that you t- mentioned that. Mm-hmm. The and then this one also has one of the few instances of a realistic depiction of what it's like to look through binoculars. Because if you notice yes. in movies, it always has the the cutout, the figure eight cutout. But when yeah. you look through binoculars, you don't have the figure eight cutout. You just have the single rounded image, magnified image. Unless you're looking through them the wrong way. Yeah. Like, yeah. You haven't focused them yet. Mm-hmm. That those are my nerd alerts. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, we're two reheatables. Okay. Um, okay, so uh, one is, um, well, you know, Max's affinity toward underage women. Well, just his Max, whole, his whole um, treatment of women. Yeah, his, his beating of women. He's calling the daughter juicy. Yeah, he it's just he just doesn't treat women well. He's a he's a rapist. Her, ex, I mean, those shorts were so extremely short. I was I was twelve. I was ten when this movie was made. Sixty two. I I mean, I went to stores. I bought, nobody wore shorts that short. They were almost like. They remind me of the shorts that you would put on like a toddler so that they just cover the diaper so that the the kids not wearing just the diaper around. But yeah, it's they, literally... like they come up to the waist. They yeah. came up to the waist, but they were literally They were like swimming suit bottoms. Exactly. Cuz they were it was lucky to be covering any underwear she could have on. That's how short they were. Yeah. It's getting they a little so creepy short of that how... she was going <laughs> She was going to get a yeast infection. <laughs> we're being, we're kind of being creepy about how short this teenage girl's shorts are. But they were that bad. <coughs> but and then, that's not saying that, that she is no, asking for No, she does not anything. deserve it. No, she doesn't. She does not. But seriously. They're just okay. very short. <coughs> and then how many times did he have to tell Nancy to run and hide? I mean, she, ex- especially since the first time when he said, oh, you're, th- you're allowed to be three places. You're allowed to be at home, you're allowed to be at school, and you're allowed to be in the car. And as soon as she's in the car, she sees the guy. What does she do? She takes off running. And then when he tells her, you need to run, all of a sudden she acts like she don't know how to run. Uh, how, what would your father have done? Oh. I told you, run and hide. I don't have time. Well... I don't even know if it would have even gotten to this point. Because I think my father would have been like, ain't nobody going to do nothing to her. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Robert Mitchum would have been taken care of long. Nah. Okay, so those were my negatives. 
Well, okay. that and the fact that none of the girls in high school could wear pants. Oh, I didn't even notice that. Not even on my radar. You wouldn't because you have legs that can be seen in public. <laughs> For the time being. <laughs> I don't I don't know whose leg future I have. Oh, I hate to tell you. Okay. I just look at my grandma and I'm like, I hope. I hope. <laughs> Please let me have gotten that from her. I hope I got that. Okay, so mine, just a lot of the sexism. Oh, which I have a, another specific moment when uh, Gregory Peck's character comes home and they're going to go bowling. He makes the comment about how he's like, you should never tell women when to tell time. But like, whose idea was it to teach women how to tell time? They hold yeah. it over our heads all the time. Because like, Nancy said you're you're five minutes late or something. Yeah, so he had to yeah. like oh like, like you had to. It was it's just a lot to unpack there. Does not age well. Yeah, again, if you if you don't teach women how to tell time, how are they gonna know when to cook the dinner? Right. Oh, <laughs> oh. grow, grow, grow. <laughs> but. Yeah, that was just real dumb. Like, oh, so men said it was okay for women to learn how to tell time? I'm sorry. I didn't know that time was a, well, I guess I didn't know that time was a convention of man. Ah, all right. <laughs> Touche, Gregory Peck. Touche. <laughs> <laughs> okay, any more negatives? Um, yeah, I already went through Gregory Peck's punching motion. Oh, we already had the thing about the daughter staying in the car. Uh, and we already said how maybe you don't tell a guy he's your rock bottom. <laughs> uh, the killing of the dog, that was real tough. Took that, took that real hard. Took that harder than <laughs> the woman who said was rock bottom and then got assaulted. I was like, oh, I'm part of the well, problem. Just been through a, a little trauma. Oh, All right. So did you do your goods? Yes. It, th th a little more challenging. Okay. My good reheatable was that they changed the name from the executioners to Cape Fear because what an excellent name, Cape Fear. Do you know how they came to change it? I don't. Well, Gregory Peck, he got the rights to the book and he was like, the executioners is a horrible name for a movie. And so he wanted to change People might it. think it's a real downer. He wanted to change it. He's like, you know what always does well? Movies that are named after places. Someone get me a map. And he looked at the map and he saw Cape Fear, North Carolina. He's like, it's called Cape Fear. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that that's, I mean, you know, Gregory Peck, great. Um, he's always good. Yeah. That's the end of my positives. Oh, that's it. All right. Settle in for mine. Um, I liked how at one point it, you couldn't just shoot a man for simple trespassing. Not anymore. I was like, wow, very, not too often when you see a movie in 1962 and discerning laws and go quite progressive. Huh. <laughs> um, another tasteful Confederate flag in the background to show, uh, give an idea of a locale of where we are. We're in somewhere in the south. This was I didn't know that it was in North Carolina. It was in the, the bar that they go in 
that Katie goes into. Oh, she I did rock see bottom. It. Oh, yeah, it's in there. It's in the background. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Not going in that far. Not as tasteful as Paul Newman's long, uh, the one, what was it? Long Hot Summer. Mm-hmm. But, but it was in there. It was just put in as i like how it's a signifier of these of like this is where we are yeah. and i'm like america or is am i supposed to think the south because in 2000 i wonder if in 1962 that was the signifier for the south and now when we watch it it's like so i got we were in america yeah <laughs> it could be anywhere it's supposed to be different um a flyover state right okay it could be anywhere, though. It, doesn't, it could be in California. It could be in New York. Um, Mitt, Robert Mitchum, when he gets picked up in, in this bar by the police, he pays his bill and he tells the bartender, I'll be back for the change. <laughs> Which, I'm like, wow, the character development. Like, this guy, what a dick! <laughs> it's true, he did. Yeah. What a dick! I don't have time right now, but don't think that's a tip. Uh-huh. And then another Robert Mitchum. So when he goes to the police, they ask him to strip down to his underwear. He strips down. He is visibly holding in his stomach, his stomach and his chest. <laughs> so, but here's the, here's my thing. Is this the vanity of the actor or is this the vanity, is this the vanity of the character that he's playing? I felt like the two were very similar. Because I was like, wait, is this Mitchum trying to be, or is this Mitchum being super actor knowing that Max Cady would be trying to puff his chest out and hold it in? I'm I, like, felt like, hmm. I felt like both, both of the above. I feel like it's both, but I'm going to give it to the side of Mitchum being an actor. Okay. But yeah, I was like... It's yeah. a fine line there, buddy. Be- here's why I I went in that, because he's playing a rapist, <laughs> so yeah. he can't have too much like actor vanity. Because after all, he's he is playing a woman, a man who assaults teenage girls and I calls them juicy. Like maybe that's close to home. Oh wow! I don't know that much about Robert Mitchum to just toss him under the bus like that, Ma. Jeez. Hey, I've been tossed under the bus in a day or two, so why not toss somebody else under the bus? Yeah, but I didn't accuse you of maybe like <laughs> I I didn't being say rapey. I I feel like. Okay, I feel like in the time of Me Too, Robert Mitchum's name would have come up quite frequently. I'm not saying underageness. Okay, you're basically calling Robert Mitchum a handsy man. Yeah, I. That's that's how he appears to me. (laughs) Now I'm. I am saying that I don't have any, nothing has been said. If, if something were to come out and people were like, Robert Mitchum was very handsy, I, w- I would believe it. But I'm not going to just jump to the conclusion that Robert Mitchum was a handsy man. Okay, this is, this is me speaking before I'm reading Malcolm Gladwell's um, <laughs> How to Talking talk to, to Strangers. strangers. Uh-huh. Um, 
I'm halfway through, and obviously I haven't taken it to heart yet. <laughs> so. There will be another reading of it. <laughs> Just being honest. Okay. Um, And then, it was close. I almost gave this as my MVP. But uh, Nancy walking off getting hit by a car. Which <laughs> it was pretty good. <laughs> she got hit by a car. This is 1962. So the the newest model of car that she could have been hit by. I'm not a car person, so I can't tell you the exact make and model of what she was hit by. But I do know enough to know that those early cars of that era were built like tanks. They were. So, a, lot, a lot of metal. Not like a lot, the, of the, a lot of the plastic that we have on cars no. now. Like A that true was, metal bumper. It's like a her. tank. She basically got hit by a tank and walked it off. Yeah. Like, no, yeah, I'm fine. Nothing happened to me. He was in a school zone. Yeah, but even that, Ma, I'm saying. <laughs> I like, know. Those I know. things, that's all metal. There is it no, was. like, there's no bumper. It's just metal to protect more metal. Right. Those things are and heavy. It was, it, yeah, it was, it, it it was heavy. There was a lot of weight to that car. And they and she was like under the car and she had no she only had quote bruises and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, Wow. Wow, True. Nancy. True. Wow. True. So those are my reheatables. Okay. MVP for me. The MVP was the suspense because oh. it had the footsteps, the walking down the the steps with the hand on the handrail, the suspense in this. There's a lot more suspense that we haven't talked about yet, but I mean, because it comes in the second hour, but yes. I'm going to say my MVP is Robert Mitchum. He was really he good was, at being really creepy. He was really good. I, he was really good at just like, like you're just like, man, this guy, he's all he's been doing for eight years is thinking about getting revenge on this guy. He has planned everything out and he does. He gives no fucks. He's just I mean, he's an and he was he's a big time actor. And they're like, hey, man, want to be a rapist who was going to rape a little girl yes sign me up (laughs) and then he gives a a great performance and he i like all of his little things like i was saying the him sucking in his stomach him telling the bartender to go ahead and he'll be back for the change there's this other scene that we'll talk about in tasting nuggets but i can talk about it here where he he and polly have this whole like scene together where, and he cracks an egg and then like smears it on her chest and stuff. And that was all improvised. Oh, like he's I'm one of the all time great creeps. I'm just saying. I'm just <laughs> pretty good in the creep department. Oh, look at you. Well, go <laughs> read the book again. Start over. <laughs> I'm halfway through. Okay. Well, recasting. So I have two casts. Okay. Uh, my first cast has my Sam is Will Smith. Okay. I haven't had him cast in anything for a long time. My Max is Forrest Whitaker. 
<laughs> Cat Sports Whitaker as Max Cady. That's pretty funny. Are you watching his show, Godfather of Harlem, on Epics? No, I don't have Epics. Oh, I saw, I think, the first two episodes. I like it. I bet it's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife is Jennifer Hudson. Oh. And my Nancy, I'm rather proud of this, mm-hmm. is Jalen Barron. Okay. Who might she be? Who well, might she be? If you watch Shameless about three seasons ago, she was Carl's black girlfriend. Oh wow! I am so behind on Shameless. She um she's just adorable. Okay. You're not green lighting this cast. No, I'm. I'm. It's good. Okay. Do you want my other cast, or do you want to do? How many casts do you have? Well, I have two, but really only one. I cheated on one of my casts. Okay, well, I'll do my other cast. Okay. Okay. So, my Sam is Brad Pitt. Oh, yeah. Because you can't get enough of Brad Pitt. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> my Max at first was Edward Norton, because he can be so creepy. Mm-hmm. But then I was watching Peaky Blinders. And I had to go back to Tom Hardy. Oh, Tom Hardy would be such a good Max Katie. I know. He would be so good. I know. Oh, you know, know he would do like all these weird actorly things to make it even creepier. He would probably have some sort of weird accent work. Yeah. Oh, he would be so good. I know. Thank you. That's good. Okay, that's as good as it gets. Yeah. Uh, my my uh, wife was Jessica Beale. Okay. And my Nancy, I Joey King, Joey King from yes. the Yes, she's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, I thought that she could play that the innocent girl really well. Yes, that's good. Tom Hardy and Joey King, that would be good. That would be good. All right. Well, my first recasting, I just cheated because this movie was remade in 1991. So I was just like, it had De Niro as Max Cady, Nick Nolte as Sam, Jessica Lange as the wife. Oh, I didn't realize that. And Juliette Lewis as the daughter. Yeah. And Robert Mitchum, Gregory Peck, Martin Balsam, they all appeared in the remake. So how was the remake received i remember that i was just too freaked out because it looked just too scary for me i never saw it i never, I never saw, saw it remake. either so we'll probably end up doing it well that's a I, the only thing that i know about the remake is from the simpsons because i didn't know about the 1962 cape fear i just i heard about when cape fear was coming out it seemed scary and then i saw the simpsons episode so that's all. But mm-hmm. I have a nerd alert about the remake. What? Well, so Steven Spielberg was going to do it, but then he thought it was too violent, and he traded it to Martin Scorsese so that he could get back Schindler's List because Scorsese decided he didn't want to make that. What? Which I thought was hilarious that, like, <laughs> that Steven Spielberg reads this and is like, ah, Cape Fear. It's way too violent. 
Yeah. Let me get yeah. the. I'd rather do one the about Holocaust. The Holocaust. <laughs> Let me. What's that Holocaust movie? There's some script about Scorsese was, and then I think like Scorsese was gonna do a Schindler's no. List, and then he decided like, ah, no, I don't. I'm not gonna do it. Can you imagine if Scorsese did it with Ray Fiennes doing that Nazi thing? It would have been even crazier than it was. But would it have been Ray Fiennes or would it have just been De Niro as <laughs> the Nazi? You know? Well, I don't, I, I'm thinking I'm thinking De Niro would have been Bless you. Um, Schindler. I mean, <laughs> what's, what's his name? You know? Yeah. The Nazi. I mean, not that Nazi. Um, no, go on. So yeah, uh, I just I got that... a particular set of skills. Liam Neeson? Yeah, the Liam Neeson part. De Niro would have been Oscar Schindler. Yes. And he's like, mm, I could, mm. Yes. But mm. then the people would have looked at him and gone, Oh, well, let me have a sample <laughs> of your hair because I'm thinking you could be uh Jewish. You were, uh, you were, uh, <laughs> you were. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was interesting. So then that I, was very interesting. I, so then I came up with my cast, and okay. I was like, "All right, well, obviously, you know, you recast De Niro and stuff. Like, where am I? I wasn't even gonna do a cast at all because they. It was like, oh, well, this movie was already remade, so they already did the work for me. And I was like, no, you know what? Who would I like to see as a Max Katie though? Who would be good as Max Katie? Because that's the thing. Like, for the remake, Robert De Niro, like Nicholas Nick Nolte, had to lose weight, and Robert De Niro had to put on a ton of muscles because yeah. that's the thing is that Max Katie has to be physically Bigger. imposing, yeah, and a threat, like Tom Hardy. Yeah, come so, on, you can't do better than I did. Well, okay, I decided that my Max Katie. Was gonna be Danny Trejo or Danny who's, Trejo? Who's that? You don't know who he is. Yeah, but but I do, but I don't. I can't place it. He's been in like everything. He's like he has. He's like Mexican American. Has the uh like where usually long hair, pockmarked face. Oh yes, machete. 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 Yes, yeah. exactly. So then I'm like, well, we're going to go a Latino cast then. It's about time. So I have Gael Garcia Bernal as the father, as uh, Sam. And he played? He was in Mozart in the Jungle. And oh. Mama because, yeah. And, and this works because Machete is not a tall man, but dude is even shorter. Mm -hmm. Okay. And then... I have Emily Rios as his wife, and because she was she is. in. She's been a lot of stuff. I know her from Snowfall, the show Snowfall. She was in something else, and I'm forgetting because she showed up, and I was like, "Oh yeah, she was in that too." Okay. Um, but this is why we're doing this so people can look it up, so we can get these people in more things, and then the daughter. I don't know what she's been in because I just had to Google young latina actresses and i was like well she looks young enough i will cast her isabella gomez 
I think she's been on parts here and there, Modern Family and other things. She sounds very Disney. Yes, I do believe so. I think she's been on a lot of different Disney things. So there you go. Okay. Okay. I like the MVP today is a Latino cast. Mm -hmm. No, wait. I haven't done a Latino cast. We have never... Tom Hardy could play a Latino. But that's, but yeah, he could. But that's the problem. I know. Doesn't mean I he know. should. I'm just really very proud of my Tom Hardy. Yes. Okay. So we are to Tasty Nuggets. Oh, Tasty Nuggets. Uh, find your little box on your little paper where you have all your little boxes that's so funny because i just did find it i put my finger on it (laughs) okay so the hotel do you have this the hotel but i don't know what hotel it was no um the hotel where they never showed max's hotel room did they maybe it was the hotel where where um oh. the girl stayed from the bar rock bottom yeah um uh, was actually mother bates's house oh because they filmed it on the back some things on the back lot of universal studios like some things were filled filmed in savannah some were filmed in stockton and some on the universal back lot okay okay because the mother bates house is on the back lot mm-hmm Okay, Gregory Peck said that his production company did this, and he had given Robert Mitchum the better role. He paid him a terrific amount of money, and um, Robert Mitchum apparently thought he acted me off the screen. I didn't think highly of him after that. Mm. So it was good for the film that they had an antagonistic relationship because, you know... But, yeah, Gregory Peck was not a fan. Hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, that w- I think that would be weird if cut and then you're all buddy buddies. You know, it's like action yeah. and then you're like, I don't know. And like you said, who would want to do the role? Uh, Robert Mitchum didn't really want to, but evidently Gregory Peck and the production company sent him a case of bourbon, and Robert Mitchum said, I'm drunk, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Although Rod Steiger did want to play the part. Oh, he could have done it. And then when he heard that um, Robert Mitchum was interested, then he was like, oh, well, I guess he's going to get it. Yeah, not going to fight him over that. So I did uh, read that J. Lee Thompson, the director, wanted Hitchcockian elements Mm -hmm. so that he used unusual lighting elements. Mm Mm-hmm. The eerie musical score and the subtle hints. Only I wrote hinks. <laughs> the subtle hinks of violence. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. The soundtrack was reused in the 1991 one. Yep. Telly Savalas tested for Max Cady. Oh. He could have done it too. Mm-hmm. Those are my. Tasty nuggets. Okay. So the director wanted Haley Mills to be the daughter. 
but she was under contract with Disney and I'm sure Disney was like, no, no, no. I don't think so. No. So Lori is a four letter word. Yeah. Lori Martin got it and she had nightmares after the scene where she's chased by Max Katie. And then the director and the director even said like afterwards, he was like, yeah, I was probably too hard on her. So you know that like, man, that that's always a thing that I wonder when I see child actors and stuff, (coughs) especially like when they're five and six years old and they're having to to act and i'm like but they're five and six how do they even know how is this being explained to them because they're supposed to act like this is real but it's not real like that that (coughs) what's his face that trembly kid that was in that movie the room and you know he's an actor Right, in good boys and stuff, but you're well, like, how are you explaining you know, Osmond this? Was uh, you know, um, the sixth sense, yeah, he was really young when he was supposed to be seeing dead people, and it's it's like, okay, there are adults who are actors who can't like deal with that. Well, you, uh, I know that a lot of child actors from this era ended up drug addicts and not not with great lives because that happens to uh, the vast <clears throat> majority of child actors from every era because, because i, I do hear that yeah they used to tell kids like things like okay it's time to cry so uh by the way you know sparky's dead oh my gosh we couldn't have picked another name <laughs> <laughs> well i wanted it to hit home <laughs> Well, then I'm glad you didn't pick another name. (laughs) (coughs) Yeah, unbelievable. But that's what they were. Yeah, just so the psychological warfare of just to get the performance. And then. And then how do you get, how do you know, well, what is real and what isn't? So when are you lying to me and when aren't you? Yeah. You know, I mean, geez, Judy Garland, you know, and then, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's, that was just weird to me. Um, let me see what else in the book, Max Katie is a soldier who brutally rapes a 14 year old. And so the censors were like, okay, you can't have rape anywhere in this. It can right. be implied. Also, no, you're not going to have him as a soldier and put shame upon the United States military. Dang, that was before Vietnam. Yeah, and also Dang. everyone associated with this and like pretty much everyone in the world in America was a veteran or had a veteran in their family. So they were right. like, yeah, he's and not going to be a They were the greatest generation. You can't do that to the greatest generation. Uh-huh. Um. So the Brits, when they got the film, they edited out an additional six minutes of it. And then they released it with like an only 18 year olds could see it. 18 and above. Because they were just like, this movie is salacious. What is going on here? Um, The Mitchum, I kind of briefly mentioned it before. The Robert Mitchum and Polly Bergen scene that that was improvised and Polly Bergen got back injuries because when he's t- you know pushing her through the doors and stuff of the the houseboat 
the doors were supposed to be unlocked, but some one of the studio ha- uh, stagehands <laughs> left the doors locked. <laughs> so some gaffer. He was just you. Gaffers deal with the electric. Electronic, elect, uh, the electrical things, the wiring with the lights. Um, he was basically using her as a ram <laughs> to go through the, the locked doors. She was like, "Yeah, my back got like I got bruised and shit." And he cut his hand, and they just kept going on with it and had just blood. And when he's rubbing the egg on her, like her that reaction is real because <laughs> it was just improv improvisation at that point because she does because i was i didn't know what it was i didn't know if it was an egg i didn't think it was an egg because she was chopping she was slicing lemons i thought he was so strong that he just popped a a lemon (laughs) yeah i was freaked out until i read that it was an egg and i was like that makes so much more sense i thought that he popped a lemon in his hand and i was like my god my god (laughs) My God. So, yeah. I was like, I didn't know that that was a thing. Like, But apparently it's not because it was an egg. But, yeah. Imagine <laughs> popping a lemon in your hand. Jeez. Oh. I was very confused. Um, And so Robert Mitchum, he had an aversion to Savannah, Georgia, because when he was a teenager, he was charged with vagrancy, and he was put on a chain gang. So he was like, I'm not going back to Savannah, Georgia. Oh, my God. Yeah. And then this says that Gregory Peck was a last minute replacement for Charlton Heston. I Because Charlton Heston was going to be in it and then he dropped out and then Gregory Peck. But then it's kind of weird because Gregory Peck was the producer. So was he just. Was he just not, was he just going to produce it? And like, all right, Charles, you can be in it. And then he went, well, I got to step in. Because then I also read Mm. that he wanted to be Max Cady, but then he gave, as we said earlier, gave the plum roll of Max Cady to Mitchum so that he would do it. I can't imagine him as Max Cady. There's, I mean, if he were able to pull it off, then he would be the greatest actor ever because that's just not i mean he he would have to like do they'd be like hey gregory you're gonna need to start doing some push-ups buddy (laughs) because you know asparagus man is not very (laughs) (laughs) intimidating to anyone so you got the height but uh... we need some more mass can you can you bulk up a bit do some calisthenics anything no all right how about you just be the lawyer again (laughs) here we know you're good at that yeah can you pop a lemon in your hand (laughs) no all right then yep okay those are my tasty nuggets well that is 1962's cape fear I just called an audible. What? I just now called an audible. We were going to do a film noir from the 40s. Hmm. But I decided, no, we're going to ride this train. <laughs> Are we to doing 1991? <laughs> we're doing 1991 Cape Fear? Yes. How I love perfect. It. I it's love still it. fresh in our minds. It's great. We're, 
1991 Cape Fear. We'll see. We'll see if, if uh, De Niro pops a lemon. I'm telling you, that was the single scariest. I I was all ready for it to be my like MVP and the scariest thing. And then when they were like, no, it's uh, because then he's rubbing it in. And I'm like, oh, if she has any cuts, any cuts anywhere that's going to sting. I thought it, yeah. I was just that that's brutal. And then they're like, no, it was an he popped an egg. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> even you could do that. <laughs> that's not impressive. That's just nasty. Yeah. Now that she's got will... salmonella all over her chest. So, um, so I don't know that we will do recasting next week since we've already recast it. Oh, that's but true. We will. We will see. What if we'll... we do women? All right. Who's the female rapist? I know. I tried to think <laughs> of that, and I went. I don't know that I'm ready to go down that street right now. Hmm. I mean, not well, saying it's not maybe possible. Maybe we could do an Asian cast. Oh. Okay, it's going to be Constance Wu. <laughs> no, I could do a Korean cast. It, I would just recast the entire cast of the movie Parasite. <laughs> just be like, and you're going to be like, who? And I'm like, I don't know what else they were in. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> who? I'm like, they're a real big deal in Korea. So we will be doing a lot of comparing, a lot of comparisons. Nice. Okay, I'm kind of happy with it. That's a good Nin move. 1991 Cape Fear. Oh, um, tomorrow is Wendy's birthday, and we will be doing Rocky sometime, and we'll get her in here to do that, but not next week. Oh, Okay. Because we're doing 1991's Cape Fear. <laughs> oh, yeah. Rocky was the 1940s noir you were going to do, but bumped it for... No. No. I'm saving that. All right. So I don't even know. Yeah. I'm saving that one because it's one I've wanted to do for a while. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Bye-bye.